tuned into this episode of Pacing Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 282 and it's from Director of Performance Science at the Buccaneers, Dave Hamilton. So we have a little chat around RSI, have a little chat around plyometrics, but in this clip it's about recovery and what lessons Dave has learned along the way from overcooking a particular athlete in a particular team. Just before we do dive into this episode with Dave, I want to say a big thank you to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're interested in a cheap or a free solution to help you collect, analyze and present data to your coach in a simple and effective way, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. And that third vertical that you mentioned there, mm. has there been any instances across your career when that's... Because it's a, it's a very big punch in the face when that doesn't happen on a yep. game day um, because it's obviously in front of the eyes of the world in, in terms of the, the kind of caliber of athletes you're working with. Has there been any instances where you've reflected and thought, that's I, have, I haven't done that. That's, I've, not I've not completed that third bucket of making sure they're fresh? Yeah, there totally has. And I think um, what's good and bad about those situations is you you learn from it and you put into place interventions that really start to drive our industry right people learn from these type of things um so there was definitely an incidence in my mind uh with a an olympic team that we went from one particular tournament to another and it was a close turnaround it's like four weeks and I thought from a physical standpoint that we were well enough prepared that having the week off and then going into our normal preparation when our two weeks preparation and a week holding camp would be enough to still have us in a good place for the following tournament. Um, but what actually happened is we did really well in the World Cup and then four weeks later we had another um, intercontinental tournament and kind of didn't perform as well. And I was like, oh, God. Now, I'm not saying it was down to that, but <laughs> like anything, you kind of look inwardly on yourself and I'm thinking, wow, maybe we weren't, maybe we didn't hold those physical qualities as well as I, I'd hoped. But as a result of that, um, I kind of looked at, I knew that when that came up again, we weren't going to make the same mistake. And so we modified, we looked at kind of the recovery week, number one, uh, and we, we worked more on kind of the social debrief. So rather than let them go away for a week, they did the same recovery together. Um, played a part. And then I also looked at some uh, ischemic preconditioning on bikes to kind of do low level work, but still enhance um, or maintain some of the peripheral adaptations you get in the muscle from a, an aerobic standpoint. So by using ischemic preconditioning on a bike, I believe that held some of our uh, enzymatic or peripheral changes you get with conditioning. That meant they still did light work, but we didn't lose any conditioning, which I felt potentially we did elsewhere. And then I use that um, systematically with some of the preparation I've done. Mm -hmm. Just touch on that recovery point there. Yeah. How's your thoughts on recovery changed over your over your career over since again since we last spoke? I know you've been in different environments with different turnaround times and different yeah. athletes, male, female, etc., collegiate, pro. But how in in general? And we'll get a little bit more specific in a minute. What's your thoughts in, on that area? Recovery is a, a big one, right? So number one, um, you've got acute recovery, right? Where you're looking at immediately. So the Olympic environment, right? You've got to recover within 24 hours for a game. 
that's a different recovery package to a one week turnaround from, do you know what I mean? Of course. So absolutely. there's different, different types of recovery, but fundamentally, I think, um, you've got to look more at the individual and the type of stress they're exposed to. I think that's where we can now get better. So if you're an athlete who takes a lot of contact, that is a different recovery modality required than one who did a lot of high-speed running, which is different to someone who did a lot of running. You know what I mean? Because you've got Absolutely. the metabolic stress of running, you've got a CNS stress of high-speed running, and you've got the edema and contusion element and inflammation of contact but we have a habit of kind of treating the same. So I think that the next area is trying to make um, the recovery a bit more bespoke. And there's a lot of research coming out to suggest that, you know, from a endurance standpoint, heat may be beneficial as it relates to circulation and muscle metabolism and glycogen and the rest of it. Um, and I think from a CNS standpoint, we know that that system typically responds well to temperature. So contrast and cold and heat can kind of have a role um, and I think from we know that when you're talking about contact that again ice is kind of one way potentially to, to help mitigate some of the the inflammation that you might have there um, other things that I'm more aware of kind of working with with athletes is like using pool recoveries on recovery days I've always been a big advocate for that but I would always go against using pool or any extended water-based activities on game day because in my mind you're always trying to keep that muscle tendon compliance and i can't help but feel when you get in water you create you lose some of that natural stiffness that you want so this is immediately after the game you know this is before potentially. Oh, before the game okay do you know what i mean like maybe you're yeah, an yeah. evening game and you want to take them to a pool recovery in the morning okay. or yeah. you know they want to get into baths for an extended period of time like i'm not saying it's right or wrong but i can my experience is with using things like drop jump where we would test on game days where potentially we'd seen some of that. You don't necessarily see the same stiffness qualities as you would hope. And I wonder if it's because that unloading and that muscle tendon compliance that you want, those stiffness qualities you want, whether the water and that kind of anti-gravity, if you're in there a long time, can actually have a negative effect. Negative effect in that your body adapts well and the minute you start moving again, you're going you're gonna to recreate those, um, those kind of relationships. But do you want to spend that additional time trying to correct it, right? Mm-hmm. With, and I answer that question or did we go way off kind of? No, 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 you absolutely did. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a couple <clears> of <throat> questions off the back of that. The introduction of heat and the more work in this area, which I spoke to Shona Halson about a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. What's the, have you had any athlete feedback from a more of an introduction of, of heat in the recovery process when it's typically been all about cold? And now moving towards heat, heat. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a funny area because I think the other piece that we haven't spoken about is so much of this with athletes is what they like, right? There's this huge <laughs> kind of endocrine testosterone cortisol situation going on where, and Christian Cook did a load of work on this where he kind of looked at if athletes like something, whether it's wearing compression or getting an ice bath, you see a positive effect, not just in testosterone but also some physical markers. But if you put them in water that's too cold and they know it's too cold, they don't like it. Well, guess what? They don't respond. And if you put an athlete in a bath, uh, an ice bath that's warm and they're like, it's not real cold. Well, they don't <laughs> respond because you know what I mean? So, yeah. so a lot of this as well is, is it's important that you educate the athletes on the modality. So we will do everything we can, or I've always done everything 
I can to explain to athletes what is the physical consequence of this particular modality. What what should you expect for wearing compression? What will it do to your blood flow or circular, you know, whatever it is, um, so that they understand why they're doing it. So potentially they buy in more, which means that if they buy in, they're going to see a better outcome. Um, so that, I, I think that's another big piece is you can't just throw recovery because a research paper said that it works. Cause if an athlete doesn't believe it, you're wasting your time anyway, because we do have these natural responses to things, but if you can get them to buy in and believe it and it makes sense, um, then I think you'll see some, some positive effects. And so to your point about the heat, as long as they understand why, they might be getting that modality choice for their recovery, then that's important. And I think the other thing to take into account is recovery changes so much over 24, 48, 72 hours. The focus needs to change as I'm trying to get you close to the game. And I know that Robin Thorpe has done his PhD in this area and he'd be a great guy to kind of talk in more detail. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts. He's on the list. He's been pestered daily. I'd say oh, really? he just yeah. not he's just not responding. Yeah, yeah. He did what I said. We've lined up a call, and he just hasn't turned up. No, 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 he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get him on, so hopefully, hopefully, we'll do in the future. But then, then obviously, the big caveat comes in of life. I.e., you're at the other side of the country, and you've got a recovery protocol that's gold standard that you believe has worked, and but you've actually got to get on a plane because you've got to mm-hmm. um, you got to get home. So that yeah. obviously throws life. Um, Gets gets chucked in the way, so you've got yep. to adapt and and whatnot. Is there anything you have on the road that is specifically built for exactly that in terms um, of protocols? We're fortunate, I think, with the the league we're in. Um, that normally post game, if guys want to do something, whether it's hot or cold, it's it's available. Yep. Um, we do do other pieces, like we do medically rated compression. We will use other devices that kind of help on a flight for when they're returning to try and expedite as much as we can um, the athlete. But when we're home is where it's probably more effective Um, because when you're on a way, it's it's definitely going to be a little bit more um, limited with with what you're able to get to. Plus, you've got more stress that goes on with travel, particularly with us where we're potentially talking time zone travel as well. Very late flights getting in early. like They're the challenges that we, we deal with. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So if you want to listen to the full episode with Dave, check out episode number 282 on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I look forward to chatting to you next time.